I've always been a massive music fan. Music is the thing that I love. I love going to see live music. I love discovering new music. I love talking about it. I never get sick of it. Did you ever use Napster in the early noughties? I didn't actually use it. No. Did you? Maybe. I mean, I actually went to boarding school. So kind of things like that, you know, it wasn't necessarily me, but there'll be other people in the school who would go, who would go grab music through those means. I was just going to say, I had a similar experience. I was at college and there was a college network and to go from, you know, spending $30, $35 on a CD to then having all of your favorite artists just sitting there in a folder, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. <laughs> Hello, my name is Ben McCarthy and welcome to the latest iteration of Anything But Square, the Fed Square podcast. Due to the current COVID-19 pandemic, the music industry has adopted and connected with fans by creating live streaming and interactive experiences from the comfort of their own home. Will this be the next giant step in the digital landscape? Today, we are joined by Sarah Hamilton, Regional Manager of Ditto Music and co-founder of One of One. We are here to discuss the ever-changing digital landscape, how music habits have changed, and what the future holds. Um, my name is Sarah Hamilton. I'm originally from sunny Queensland, but have been in Melbourne for about nine or 10 years now. So I've been with Ditto for about seven and a half years now, which is a long time, but shows that I haven't gotten bored yet. So I've been working in the music industry for about 12 years now and got started up in Queensland working in digital distribution when it was a very new thing and no one knew anything about it or it was just a very small part of the market. And I've loved watching it grow and change and evolve constantly. We put artists in front of people at Spotify, at Apple, you know, at radio, at press. And so, you know, it is really amazing when we've worked really closely with artists or we've We've introduced them to people and then that's connected and that's gone from there. So, you know, electric fields are just absolutely amazing and whoever sees them live will want to program them um, wherever they can. I think they won a bunch of live music awards last year, um, were nominated for an ARIA. You know, they're, they're fantastic. Um, but, yeah, no, it makes me really proud. Another artist we've worked really closely with is Kite. And just seeing, you know, that connect with people in Australia but also globally yeah, I get really proud, proud of them for what they've done, but also, you know, love to be a part of the story as well. What has actually been your favourite Ditto Music success story? Yeah, well, Kaite springs to mind again. So she won an ARIA last year. And so we work with her label, Ultra Music Group as well. And I think, you know, seeing an independent artist win an ARIA, it was actually the first time that had that um, section as well. That award was really amazing. It was my first time at the ARIA Awards and I've always worked in the independent sector. So, you know, major labels are still such a huge part of the industry and dominate in a lot of ways. And so, you know, when, when we see an independent artist doing really well and receiving an ARIA award, we were so excited. We, we just couldn't believe it. So that was really special and it's not even just the ones that have become hugely successful it's even ones that have just found their audience um one that springs to mind is is a duo uh, called opal ocean so they actually busk around melbourne and have done so around the world but they are like virtuoso guitar players 
Um, they're really lovely guys. They sort of look medieval or something. They're always wearing these amazing like leather pants or something like that. And they sort of duel with their guitars. And I said to them, they should really look at their social media and their YouTube and just film what they're doing because it's really quite astounding to watch. And I didn't see them for a couple of years. And then, you know, we had a meeting when they came back and they're like, Sarah, we've been touring the world. We've been playing all these festivals. We got our social media happening and we've blown up on YouTube and we've blown up. And I think that that kind of thing is really exciting of just people finding their audience and being able to do music full time and, you know, support themselves and live their dream. Success is different to, to each person and each artist. We have artists that are so excited just to see themselves on Spotify, you know, and that's an achievement in itself to have recorded a song to get it to that point that you're proud to release it. You know, I respect all of those artists that that put their music out there. I think in a global sense as well, we work with um, Chance the Rapper. So he's our most well-known artist, very fiercely independent. And, you know, being a part of his album release was pretty exciting as well. So, I mean, we work with artists at that kind of a level and then ones that are bedroom producers just starting out. We believe in celebrating the wins because, you know, no matter how big or small, because it takes a lot of guts to put your music out there. This, this is also very much linked to, to obviously how Netflix and Spotify have very much led the way for streaming. That's actually partly down to how effective their algorithm is to the point where I think accidentally when I was on holiday, um, I actually used my own Netflix account on a TV and I forgot to log off. And then about four or five months later, I realized that my algorithm was then full of various programs that I should say I don't normally watch, but it completely <laughs> kind of changed how I you know, how I actually view, how I, how I view things. And, and it took, it took a good couple of months to get it back to, to how <laughs> I like it. Um, I think, but then again, I think obviously with Spotify and very much how they use the algorithms for playlist creation and also for the user to explore new artists, how effective do you think Spotify's algorithm has been in launching new artists? to a much more global or even local scene? Yeah, the algorithm. A lot of people talk about the algorithm. And I think, you know, it's it's really interesting and, and it brings up a lot of different things. And I guess that is mainly human curation versus the algorithm and how they can work together or the difference between the two. And my personal standpoint is that we still need leaders in any industry to help present music to people because people psychologically often like familiar things. And so if we just left it to the algorithm, then, you know, it would be the same music being presented to us and it would all become very homogenized and bland. Um, so I still believe that there needs to be leaders and tastemakers and human curators. So the way that Spotify works is that they have human editors, same as Apple Music, all of the different platforms do, and they will listen to new songs and champion some artists and playlist them, but then they see how those songs react. So there's a skip rate. So basically the skip rate is how um, quickly people skip through a song and at what point. So if if you have a song added to a playlist and everyone's skipping through it, it will most likely be taken off that playlist. But if everyone's listening to it, adding to their own libraries and their own playlists, then it will most likely be added to more playlists from there. And then the algorithms kind of 
learning all of this information and seeing, you know, how many people, which regions are listening to it and it will kind of go from there. So I think a combination is a good thing and it's a bit of a scary world if we just let algorithms take over. And I mean, to be honest, I get a little bit sick of my own music taste because sometimes I just really want to be introduced to something that I would never listen to, that I would never choose. Um, And I remember someone told me that I think Spotify started to develop something where they basically flip your music taste on its head. And I would love that feature. I would love to just see, you know, what the absolute opposite of my music taste is because sometimes I bore myself, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, I I completely get it. I'd say one of my favourite songs is Holocene by Bon Iver. And it's, I mean, firstly, it's a beautiful song and I, and I can listen to it on a loop for days. But again, there also comes a point where what's funny is that I listen to it on my own playlist I've, that I've created myself. Then I'd actually go to a Spotify playlist that I know is, um, that's like chill out or something. And the first song on that track is Bon Iver Holocene. Now, part of me is like, oh, that's great. But another part of me is like, guys, I've, you know, I don't need this here. I want to listen to something else. There is obviously the flip side in terms of, well, you know, in terms of we are actually still competing with the global scene, such as obviously your Taylor Swift's, your weekends and things like that. So in that sense, what are obviously the challenge for local Australian artists, local Australian labels using Spotify, YouTube Music and Apple currently? A lot of artists see certain successes um, and think that it's really easy to replicate or you know, that can very easily happen to them. Um, And I mean, we've seen it, you know, Tones and I is the perfect example of an artist who has just gone absolutely huge. I think she is the most streamed female artist in the world, which is absolutely huge. Girl from Frankston, so inspiring and amazing. But that is obviously a one in a million type situation. And I think that Artists and labels need to remember that there's a lot of other pieces of the puzzle. So at Ditto, you know, we also do radio plugging, press, uh, digital marketing and social media, as well as playlist pitching, because, you know, the music industry um, has many different facets. And I think sometimes people just want to write a song that'll get playlisted massively and they'll have the next dance monkey rather than, you know, really building up their fan base and you know obviously can't do it at the moment but playing good live shows um you know there's also sometimes the problem where if an artist has been playlisted a lot early in their career they're not actually ready for live performance and the the live show doesn't match the success that they've had on on spotify for example so i think you know people need to remember that it's a piece of the puzzle and other things need to be looked at as well it's also like if there is a sync to a television show or an advertisement or some great radio play or you get massive on TikTok, that will feed over into streaming and and other places as well. So what we're talking about at the moment is artists really building up their own fan base in different ways rather than just wanting, you know, that golden ticket, that one big playlist that will, you know, cause the end to all of their concerns because um, it's it's really about finding your people and your fan base and nurturing them and looking after them and building on that. So very much going into music distribution, how much of that has actually changed since 2010? Oh, wow. It's just completely different. And 
in 2010, Spotify hadn't launched in Australia. The digital um, revenue was less than 10% of the entire market. It's now over 50%. And streaming has just completely taken over. And I mean, in 2010, there was still so much piracy happening and streaming platforms have really helped change that. Obviously, playlists are a really important piece of the puzzle. Uh, Spotify playlists are almost like a new version of radio. And the really exciting thing, I think, is that Australian artists can be exported globally so much more. 10 or 20 years ago, it was really hard for an artist in Australia to break out of their region and they would have to go on tours, which was really expensive. Whereas now, you know, an artist can build up a fan base in different areas due to playlists or getting some attention on blogs. So I think it's a lot more global these days, which is quite exciting. When I first started in digital, it was a really ignored part of the music industry and people didn't really spend a lot of time thinking about it or focusing on it and thought that physical um, CDs would remain to be a huge piece of the puzzle. And of course, they're still important, but you know, we've just seen digital and streaming rise in a huge way. I mean, what's actually really interesting was how long it took the music industry to actually get on board and see this as, as potentially the future. Could you obviously talk about the early kind of apprehension of actually using something like, something like Spotify in the beginning to obviously using it now? Yeah, absolutely. And for the first five years of Spotify being in Australia, um, every music conference you would go to or every panel that I was on, artists would be saying, Spotify don't pay us anything or the, the amounts are really limited. What is the industry doing for artists? And there was just a real, people didn't want to accept that this was the way forward. And a lot of people didn't want to have their music on Spotify or other streaming platforms because of the lower returns. And I understand that as well. You know, my stance was always, it's your music. You can do what you want with it. But I also think that putting your music on all of the different platforms that people are using is a smart idea too. And I think it was when people started to get playlisted or they started to, you know, just actually see more revenue coming back from Spotify, that kind of narrative started to change. But I understand the apprehension. And I mean, also record labels are obviously an um, protecting the rights of their artists too and wanting to see their best interests looked after. But, you know, being an early adopter and seeing the optimistic side of things and seeing the future of things and I saw how Netflix had completely changed piracy in the film and TV industry and I, I just always thought that Netflix was an example of what was going to happen with music and that's absolutely what has happened. You know, piracy in most Western countries is a lot is is hardly existing anymore. If something is built that works and is a better option, you know, people will will do that. But this has been happening in the music industry for centuries. There's a new mode of delivery or there's something new developed and people are very apprehensive about it at first and then as it starts to catch on, they then use it well and and figure out how they can um, turn it into an advantage. I mean, I've just been astounded at the creative way that musicians during COVID-19 have been reaching their fans or doing live streaming. Um, you know, the Isolated Festival is a really great example of that. And I think that musicians are largely very quick to respond and make something their own and do things in a creative way. The industry, not always so much. 
And then what's actually interesting is that it was actually hosted on Instagram rather than, say, YouTube or Facebook. Why do you think artists actually gravitated towards Instagram as their live streaming platform? I think Instagram is a really popular social media at the moment. And it, you know, means that people are coming to their pages and connecting with their page. Um, We're doing it at Ditto as well. We're doing some Instagram live sessions. There was one in the UK last night on playlisting and we're going to be going around to the different offices and doing some Instagram live. And I think it's, it's where the audience is largely these days. I think people have moved away from Facebook and onto Instagram, some onto TikTok as well. But I think that's where a lot of people's fans and, and audience is. So it makes sense to do it via Instagram. Do you, do you actually think that streaming could actually potentially replace the actual live shows for these new artists? Or do you still think that live shows will always have their place or, or still be a piece of the puzzle? Yeah, I think live music is so important and having that personal connection will never disappear. I mean, I'm the kind of person that gets goosebumps when I see someone that I think is amazingly talented or, you know, you're just in a room and there's that moment where you could hear a pin drop and everyone is connected in person. And I don't get that from Instagram. I can still appreciate an artist, but I just don't think that you can connect in the same way. So I think live shows will always be to me, one of the best parts of music, seeing someone live. I don't think that's going anywhere. I think people have had to adapt because we can't be in spaces together at the moment, but can't wait for the day when when we can do that again. And I think a lot of artists, or I know a lot of artists are really missing that as well. So yeah, I think that's something that's never going to change, luckily. What's your uh, favourite concert? Oh, wow. Putting me on the spot. I instantly go to sing Bjork at the big day out um, because I think that she is an amazing artist and I've always just been in total awe of her. I think she's just in a complete league of her own. Um, But Prince is another one. Seeing Prince up in Brisbane a few years ago, um, I spent all my money on flights, tickets, and then tickets to the after party. But it was like five hours of Prince and it it was heaven and absolutely no regrets. But then I also love really intimate shows as well when there's just a few people and you know you're witnessing something really special or the start of something new. Um, one of my favourite ditto artists that we work with is um, a group called Electric Fields and they're really hard to explain. I just tell everyone you have to go and see them live because they're the most incredible thing you will see. It's um, a mix of kind of First Nations language with fun disco but very emotive and the lead singer Zachariah has one of the most incredible voices and uh, we you know presented them to Spotify and Spotify and Apple have been really supportive of them and YouTube everyone Um, but Spotify did a playlist concert so they have a a playlist called Front Left and they actually had a, a concert at the forum which was a Front Left concert and they had some really big artists playing I think I think Dua Lipa played and, you know, Benny and, and lots of great artists. But I love seeing Electric Fields just connect with everyone there because they're a really different kind of an act. And um, 
I just love seeing that connection of when an artist is absolutely killing it on stage and everyone is dancing or crying or just reacting in the way that you want them to be. And um, yeah, that definitely happened that night. And what, what's also even more interesting, I don't know if you read about Travis Scott's concert, I think on last Thursday, where he actually performed inside Fortnite, the uh, the very popular video game. And apparently he performed for 20 minutes and they had 12.5 million views, which is absolutely astounding in itself. But that, uh, but that again, I think it's a really good example of obviously using streaming in a different way, but also with the added touch of actually using a popular game like Platform platform as a way of reaching a larger audience now do you actually think that future artists would actually potentially look at what Travis Scott did and use say you know Fortnite or even some like Animal Crossing or any other popular game as another as another streaming avenue to actually perform for fans yeah absolutely and again it comes down to creativity and what's possible Um, I think that will be happening more so. That was obviously a huge success. Twitch is a huge platform at the moment and we've been talking to some companies, um, one called Pretzel, who basically will be putting music within Twitch. So if someone is gaming for six hours, they can then choose artists that they want to have their music playing while they're doing that. So that's another revenue stream. Basically, you know, at Ditto, we're always just looking at different ways that we can promote our artists and we can get music into different places, whether they're physical spaces or online spaces. So I think that will be happening more for sure. So how do you see those interactive experiences work for a particular artist? Do you think that could be using, say, virtual reality, augmented reality, creating 360 tours? Like, how do you see that playing out? Yeah, I mean, that's an exciting idea. And I know that artists like Bjork are all over that kind of thing, but I think it's a little bit inaccessible for a lot of artists at the moment. But one of the thing, one of the changes I've liked to see has been bringing more visuals back into digital music because um, I think we saw cover art and posters and the visual side of music really take a bit of a dive. And now we're seeing that come back again with more video content on Spotify and Apple and um, just really going into the story of artists and their music more so because I think that's been missing. So I think there's a lot of positive changes. But, you know, remember when we get CDs and we'd look at the liner notes and read all of the lyrics and I just think presenting um, more about the artist and the song um you know Spotify have something called storylines now which is it looks similar to an Instagram story and basically it will show some images and text and information behind a song so I think there'll just be a lot of push to kind of um you know showcase the songs showcase the artists I think really expanding on stories and visuals and creating new content that will allow artists to get a bit more personal with their fans is a really good idea. Do you see, say, within the next decade, YouTube Music or Spotify or even Amazon Music or Apple to actually exclusively sign artists to their platform and actually become their own record label? Yeah, that's a really interesting one. And I think it's already happening with podcasts and that kind of thing on Spotify. I think there was an Amy Schumer podcast um, that Spotify had 
you know, helped create and kind of funded and all that sort of thing. So I think that in those kind of areas, it is already happening. And I see that happening more so. And I also know that, you know, there's the Spotify sessions or, you know, Apple Music has a lot of great radio programs. Um, Briggs has a radio show and curates a playlist there. So I see um, that kind of thing happening more so. I also think that, you know, people connect with radio because there are announcers and you have that personal kind of a touch. And I think that we'll see that happen more so. So there'll be more kind of radio-esque channels. Um, Spotify are already doing something. I think it's called The Daily Drive and it's a mix of news and music that is curated via the algorithm for you. Um, and yeah, like, you know, Beats One and all of the radio shows on Apple. So I think, um, that will happen more. So when it comes to actually signing artists and artists creating music simply for those platforms, I don't know if we'll see that happening just because, you know, most artists and labels recognize that people listen to music how they want to. And it's a good way. It's a good idea to have your music released on all of those platforms. But if it's special content like an acoustic concert or, um, yeah, a radio program or a playlist takeover or something like that, absolutely. And I also really applaud that. What do you think would be the lasting impact of COVID-19 on the music industry? Yeah, well, obviously the live music industry has taken such a hit And that's going to take a really long time to recover. A lot of artists and managers and labels have had a huge reduction in income. Um, I think that international touring is not going to happen this year. um, And a lot of tours have had to be put on hold. So I think people are doing what they can and they are creating music. Um, We're busier at Ditto than we've ever been because people are creating and uploading and wanting to get their music out there, which absolutely makes sense. But I think it's going to take a long time um, for, you know, touring to get back on its feet and that kind of revenue to be coming back into the industry as well. I think it's interesting people have been listening to different genres of music, so wanting to listen to something happy and mood boosting. Um, I also think that as we're going to be a lot more localised, there'll be, you know, obviously a push to support all of our local artists. We're seeing that with people wanting to know how they can support artists and, you know, buying merch and doing all that kind of thing. But I also think that there'll be a bit more of a thirst and interest in people listening to music from other countries because we can't travel. So I know that I've even you know, I've been listening to a lot of acro beats lately. But in saying that, there's also a trend of people looking to familiar things when they're feeling depressed or anxious. So a lot of people are going back to their favourite artists and listening to their back catalogues, really enjoying that. Um, So it's been really interesting to see the different trends in behaviour. But what I hope is that people still want to discover new music and support new artists, um, because that's what's going to, you know, keep the industry flourishing and exciting as well what do you think about the uh, fundraising capability that was added on spotify for the artists yeah i think it's a great idea and i think that artists shouldn't be afraid to list themselves as one of the options that people can donate to because you know like i've said a few times artists and musicians are always really quick to respond and try and help out 
others when there's a situation like a crisis, a flood or a bushfire or something. And at the moment, a lot of artists have lost, you know, 80% of their income because they're not touring. So I think they shouldn't be afraid to list their own Patreon account or, you know, list themselves um, or, you know, one of the fantastic organisations like Support Act who work with musicians and their mental health and do a lot of great things. So, you know, I think Spotify um, are really quite fast moving and, you know, they jump on board with things or they create um opportunities so I think it's a really good um thing to jump on board with but artists shouldn't be afraid to just ask their fans to support them as well whether that's you know buying one of their t-shirts buying some merch buying one of their vinyls um you know whatever it may be you know don't be afraid to to ask for help and then I also have a side project I run a charity with some friends of mine it's called one of one and we interview women and non-binary people in the music industry and get their stories and share them. started about five years ago. I had lunch with my friend Joe, and we were just talking about how we worked with so many awesome women in the industry, but often they didn't put themselves forward for things. And it might be, you know, the male CEO that got a lot of accolades and attention for things that were happening in the company. Um, there's also a few lists in the music industry, like the Power 50, um and that kind of thing and we noticed that it was always very male heavy and we just wanted to give a, a spotlight to the great women doing excellent things in the music industry it's about mentorship i guess and and giving younger women and people um mentors to look up to to read about their stories to see what is possible um and that's also happened within the organization as well because we had two women who are you know, seen as really influential, uh, powerful people in the music industry come to us and ask if they wanted, if we wanted to run an event. So we're essentially being mentored as well. Um, so yeah, it's something that a lot of people want to get behind. We have a lot of sponsors for the events. We had the event at the Forum this year in Melbourne, which was absolutely huge for us. I, one of my favourite venues and obviously close to Fed Square as well. And um you know, it was just amazing to think that we just started this little website not knowing if anyone would read it. And now, you know, we had events in three different cities. We want to roll out to more cities like Hobart and Brisbane when we can. And I think people just really do want to support women. We have a lot of men that nominate women in their um, profession or in their uh, company because they really want people to get recognition when it's due. Something that's it's really grown and had a lot of support behind it and, and built a really nice community and it's led to other things as well like we were able to set up some scholarships for uh, women. We had a new one this year which is the Mushroom Production Award so we want to help um, more women be recognised for their work in production because only two percent of um, producers in Australia are actually women so we really want to help change that. Um, we have a governance scholarship with White Sky where White Sky fund uh, a woman to do uh, board training so that there can be more women on boards. So basically a small idea has grown into something a lot bigger with a lot of community spirit and support. And yeah, it's just evolving every year. Then uh, they can go to our website, which is oneofone.com.au. Or they can go to our Instagram, which is one of one AU, or on Facebook, one of one AU. And I'll just say, you know, if anyone wants to check out Ditto Music, you know, just head to our website or Instagram and Facebook. We're very active on, on both of those platforms, Instagram in particular.
Um, so, you know, we're very approachable. Check us out. And that's a wrap from everyone at Fed Square. We would like to thank Sarah Hamilton for joining us today. Anything But Square is released every Wednesday and we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast and sign up for a newsletter at fedsquare.com. Take care and we'll see you next Wednesday.